Welcome back to the TGI Podcast, and more importantly, welcome into Christmas in July. So I hope you all enjoyed our 4th of July episode where we covered Saved by the Bell in what was, quite frankly, an odd uh, episode, but it was fun. Um, But we do know that once we hit the 4th of July, it feels like the summer just flies by, especially when I was a kid. I could just remember, you know, there's the dread of starting school a month and a half later or so. So it always feels like it goes by really quickly. We know that it's going to have back to school things in the stores and it's going to be August and September here before we know it. But before then, we want to continue with our tradition and that is celebrating Christmas in July throughout the rest of this month. Now, last year, we went with a theme that featured um, classic Christmas shows, or, or classic Christmas was our title, but we focused on a lot of classic shows, so we did episodes of The Honeymooners, Happy Days, Andy Griffith's show, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, so I wanted to keep with a classic theme, but I want to go in a slightly different direction, so we're going with classic animated shows for the rest of this month. So without further ado, on to the show. One of, if not the most, iconic animated television show of all time, The Simpsons. And this is not the second time we've covered this show on the podcast, but it's the first Christmas episode we've covered. With uh, the first being one of the show's Valentine's Day episodes with the I Choo Choo Choose You episode. Now this was something I wanted to get to last year, this specific episode, but uh, the framework of life got in the way and I wasn't able to do it. So really excited to do it here now. And so this week we're covering the episode titled Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. This was actually the premiere episode of The Simpsons and it debuted on Fox on December 17th of 1989. And despite it being the premiere episode of the show, The Simpsons characters had previously been featured on The Tracy Allman Show as a series of shorts. And they eventually evolved, especially if you watch some of those shorts of the original Simpsons on The Tracy Allman Show. It's like, it's the framework's there, but it's just a little bit off. 
Now, now this episode is the only episode of the show that aired in the 1980s, and it was viewed by 13.4 million people during its original airing, which is a pretty strong number, I would say, for this type of show. Now, again, you have to look at it from the framework or the mindset of somebody here in 2023 where shows just aren't pulling a 13.4 million viewing. It's just not the way it works anymore. You know, people don't watch cable television that way. They don't watch over-the-air broadcasts the same way anymore. You know, most things are streaming. A lot of people only have streaming networks, so it's different. But that is a very big number for 1989. And this episode was also nominated for two Emmy Awards. I spoke about my history with the show in the previous episode, but since it has been a little while, I figured it's a good time to give a quick little rundown, quick little reminder. The Simpsons are a cornerstone of my television viewing history. It's one of the first shows I really remember being for me. Uh, There were a lot of shows that we watched as a family. There were a lot of shows like classic shows, The Brady Bunch, I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners, Uh, Happy Days. Those were shows I remember watching uh, with my parents, and they liked those shows. Or even like the TGIF shows with Full House, Step by Step, um, all those. Those were like a family show. Now, The Simpsons were a show that seemed more tailored for me as a youngster growing up in the 1990s. And it hit syndication during my formative years, and it felt to me like it was always on TV. My mom hated it. She did not like it. She didn't like the fact that I would flip it on while we were eating dinner or if I was trying to work on my homework. It was something I felt was always, always, always on in the background. And I marvel at the fact uh, that this series is still running all these years later, Uh, but it also saddens me that the quality just isn't up to par anymore. It's just not the same as it was. They had such a strong run. You know, a lot of people will argue different timelines and different seasons. Like, uh, for me, I think it's kind of like season three through season nine or ten, um, but there's some stuff after that that I still like. But uh, it's been more than 15 plus years since I'd really wanted to sit down and watch a new episode. And it's just the show doesn't hook me in the way that it used to. And it's also funny to me, too, that for my mom, she thought this was something that we shouldn't watch, that it was bad for us, that it it gave off the wrong vibe or whatever it is. And then now you look at a lot of the stuff that's on TV, and The Simpsons are not that bad by comparison. But in the early 90s, I could understand why some things, you know, my mom probably didn't want me watching. But I think in a lot of ways, The Simpsons has impacted my humor in the way that I humorize with a lot of different things. Um, But back to the episode uh, for this specifically, and for many, many episodes of The Simpsons, we have Dan Castellaneta voicing Homer, Barney, and Grandpa Simpson. Julie Kavner is Marge, Patty, and Selma. Nancy Cartwright does Bart, Ralph Wiggum, a handful of other minor characters in this episode as well. Uh, Then we have Yardley Smith voicing Lisa Simpson, Harry Shearer voices Seymour Skinner, Mr. Largo, Ned Flanders, Tattoo Guy, who is also kind of looks like comic book guy, um, Waylon Smithers also, uh, and they're just very minorly, uh, and a couple other minor characters in this episode. Hank Azaria voices Mo Sislak, Pamela Hayden voices My Guy Milhouse, and a few other minor characters, uh, while we have Christopher Collins 
as the uncredited voice of Mr. Burns, uh, who would later be voiced by Harry Shearer. I think this is the only time we have Christopher Collins as a voice of Mr. Burns, but I wanted to point that out for this specific episode. Now, as for a summary of this, we turn to IMDb, which offers this up. And it says, Homer is forced to become a department store Santa when Marge spends the family's Christmas savings on removing Bart's tattoo. Now, this is a great, great uh, opening episode of this show. And this wasn't supposed to be the premiere episode of the show. But because of some other issues and things along the way, some animation uh, hiccups or whatever, this ended up being the debut episode. And I think it is the perfect way to start a show. So the episode opens up. We have Homer and Marge. They're running late to a Christmas concert at the kids' school. And after hearing a performance from what I presume was the first grade, uh, kids singing and such, we get to Lisa's class where the children put on a presentation of a Santa Claus from various parts around the world. And we get Lisa as Tuwanga, the Santa Claus of the South Seas. And for our first introduction of Lisa, the character... This perfectly, perfectly encapsulates her intelligence as a second grader opposed to others her age. And what I like about it, too, is it's already setting the ground. This is the first time we ever see the character of Lisa Simpson. And she is paying homage to Tawanga, a Santa Claus of the South Seas, a Pacific um, type of Santa Claus character. I don't know if it's a real character or not, but it's just so funny because... Or, or, or interesting that they laid the groundwork this early on that Lisa really hasn't changed from this character. That she, that's who she is. And Lisa doesn't get a lot to do in this episode, but I like that that seed was planted with her already here in the beginning. So we go through her performance. And we now have Bart and his class singing. And we get another moment that uh, here perfectly sums up the character of Bart. It's the first time we ever see Bart. His class is singing Jingle Bells. But we get Bart singing Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin Laid an Egg. And again, this is like the perfect way to introduce this little troublemaker. You know, Bart's a troublemaker, but he's not awful. But he is a troublemaker. And he gets sort of yanked off a of stage. But we move ahead, and Principal Skinner, he introduces the fifth grade class, and we get Homer saying, how many grades does this school have? Before we move on to the next scene. Now, I also want to point out, this episode does not have the classic Simpsons intro. We don't have the clouds and the The Simpsons. It's not in this episode. It does come a little later on. And they also call this the, the Simpsons Christmas special. So it's interesting that they deviated from the title of the episode to what they put on one of the main cards on the actual show itself. Uh, But after we go through and we jump into this next scene, and this is where we have Marge writing the annual Christmas letter. And this is one thing I have noticed. It's sort of gone to the wayside in recent years, especially with the advent of social media and that becoming so prevalent. You know, we basically know everything about anyone anyways nowadays but I remember when I was younger I liked getting these letters especially from maybe some friends of the family who we didn't see very often there'd be pictures of their kids and they'd tell a little story oh you know Johnny uh, just graduated eighth grade in the spring and uh, you know little Susie's learning to drive all those little things it was something about that I liked but again nowadays we just have 
everything at our fingertips. It's really hard to find something new about somebody. But while Marge is writing this letter, she writes about how the family lost their dear cat, Snowball. But they have a new cat, Snowball 2. And she's like, and because life, and we learned that life moves on. And speaking of life moving on, Grandpa, <laughs> Grandpa uh, Simpson is still living and feisty as ever. Uh, and then we also learn Maggie's walking on her own, Lisa's getting straight A's, and Bart is, well, Bart. In typical bumbling father fashion, we have Homer now dealing with getting the Christmas lights and decorations ready, just as Lisa hands over her Christmas list to Marge, and the only thing on it is a pony. Pony, 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 pony. And Marge is like, Lisa, you know that you keep asking for this. It's just, it's hard for Santa to deliver that. And then Bart... On the other hand, on his list, has one very specific thing he wants, and that is a tattoo. Again, setting up this little troublemaker named Bart that we know so much about now, but at the time, you had to have been like, what is this kid thinking? He wants a tattoo? Of course Marge lets him know. Immediately, he cannot get one. And then Homer, in what will evolve into typical Homer uh, fashion here, says... Yeah, if you want one, you have to pay for it yourself with your allowance. <laughs> and I think that's that's sort of a great Homer line because it seems like in future episodes, that's the way I perceive Homer being like uh, condescending in, in some ways. And what I like about it, like it always makes me think of there's another Christmas episode. It's where Bart sees the commercial for the uh, the game uh Barnstorm or whatever it is, brainstorm, barnstorm, and he runs in and he says to Homer, "Buy me barnstorm, uh, bone storm. That's what it is. Buy me bone storm or go to hell." And Homer says, "Young man, in this home, we like to use a little word called please. Like instead of yelling at him for telling him to go to hell, <laughs> he tells him, uh, you know, to use the word please." But anyways, I digress. Outside, Homer, he's now getting the lights set up on the house. Uh, But once they're plugged in, we see only a couple of them are working because, of course, we know that's how it's going to work. But then next door at the Flanders residence, he has it all decked out with lights everywhere. A giant Santa Claus on the roof. And this is actually where I think in this episode, uh, it's interesting that this is who Ned is. Where Ned evolves into the very... um, you know, religious character, but in this you don't see it. And he has the giant Santa Claus on his house where you would think uh, the current iteration of Ned would have the Christ child being born, a manger, animals, things like that. Uh, so it is interesting to see his character evolve. It's also funny later on in this episode when Homer runs into him outside of the store, Ned says happy holidays. And he doesn't say Merry Christmas, where I feel like there's no doubt Ned would say Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. So he is one of those characters who eventually evolves a little more than what we see here at the beginning. Now back inside the Simpsons' house, we find out that Marge, she's been hiding all of the Christmas money in a giant jar on her head, covered up by her hair. Great little gag. Nice little look there. And the family, uh, excluding Homer, Homer's staying back, he's going to work or whatever. But the kids and Marge, they go to the mall where we, of course, see Bart admiring the tattoo shop, and he sees a heart that says mother across it, and he assumes Marge is going to love it since it's addressed to her. How could she not love the idea of her son getting a tattoo that says mother? 
He walks in. He tells the tattoo artist he wants a tattoo. The guy says, hey, how old are you? Bart's like, 21. The guy's like, all right, get in the chair. And then <laughs> we jump now. We have Homer at work. He's at the power plant. Uh, and with an announcement from Mr. Burns over the loudspeaker, we find out the employees will not be getting a Christmas bonus. And Homer's disappointed, but he points out, oh, you know, it's a good thing that we have that giant jar of money for all the Christmas gifts. And just then, back in the mall, Marge, Lisa, and Maggie hear Bart let out a, a wail, and they discover he's in the middle of getting a tattoo. And they immediately take Bart to a tattoo removal place, and we find out they need a cash deposit. Because, of course. And Marge, Marge then laments she's thankful they at least have Homer's Christmas bonus before we see Bart lined up on her giant laser to get the tattoo removed. So... In some ways, it almost has a gift of the Magi quality to it. I mean, it's not like Homer's giving up something uh, in order to get something for his kids or Marge, vice versa. But it's it's characters finding out they don't have the specific money that they thought they would to get the gifts for the person they want to get it to. So a little borrowing here from uh, some a Christmas, uh, Christmas classic. Now, back at the Simpsons' house, <laughs> I love this little scene. Bart is sitting on the couch. He's got a bandage on his arm wrapped around where he had the tattoo. We see Lisa come up. She pokes at it, and Bart's like, ow, quit it. Lisa pokes it, or uh, Maggie pokes it, ow, quit it. And back and forth, they do it a little bit. And <laughs> Homer walks up. He's like, hey, what's going on? Pokes it, and Bart, ah, quit it. So, again, just a silly little humor there. But this is when we learn, or, or more so, this is when Homer learns that Marge had to use all of that saved up Christmas money to get the tattoo removed. And Homer's like, oh no, Christmas is ruined. And he's very upset, which understandably so. I mean, how could you not be upset knowing that all that money's gone? He knows he's not getting a Christmas bonus. But Marge, she doesn't know this yet, that Homer isn't getting his bonus. And so she brings it up. She's like, no, we'll be okay, Homer. We have your, your Christmas bonus. It's fine. And Homer kind of plays it off, and he doesn't want to upset his family before he then dejectedly walks outside, and we go to a commercial break. So next, we see Homer and Marge laying in bed, and she seems to be picking up on the fact that something's wrong. He's being very quiet. He's not really the same guy he usually is. But, you know, he doesn't want to disappoint her. And he could very easily tell her, look, I'm not getting my Christmas bonus. We need to figure this out together. But he doesn't want to put that burden on Marge. And he eventually explains, uh, you know, look, I want to do the Christmas shopping myself. How about you give me the list? So the next day, we see Homer shopping for the family. Uh, he gets Marge uh, a pack of pantyhose. He gets Bart a big pad of paper. He gets a dog chew toy for Maggie. And Homer's feeling down. In the whole about this whole situation, uh, he runs into to Ned outside of the mall. All the presents go scattering. Ned picks up pretty much everything, and there's about ten gifts that he has. Homer just has the one little bag, and and Homer's feeling very bad for himself. So he goes down to Moe's bar. We see him there for the first time. We see Barney now for the first time. He comes in and he tells Homer that he's working as a Santa down at the mall, which. You know, there's some easy money in, in Homer's mind. So he goes down to the job, uh, goes down to the mall. He applies for the job, gets the job. After going through a very easy interview of asking him if he likes kids, 
He goes and enrolls in Santa school. We see him do a couple different jobs here in the Santa school or a couple different classes or so. And he finally secures himself a job. We see him walk in. He's seven hours late. And Marge is like, where have you been? He's like, I just want to go upstairs and take a warm bath before we find out that Marge's evil sisters, twin sisters, Patty and Zelmer, are there. They give Homer a bunch of crap about not having a Christmas tree. Homer's upset about it. He goes, he drives off. We see him drive past a bunch of Christmas tree farms, which I like. And each one, the price is getting a little cheaper. $70, $60, $45. Before we see Homer out in the middle of nowhere cutting down a tree on somebody else's property. As we move forward here in the episode, we now see Homer playing Santa Claus at the mall, and he looks to be doing great with all the kids. They they seem to really enjoy him as Santa Claus. He's doing a great job at it. But we then see Bart and Milhouse. They're up on the second level looking down. They're making fun of all the kids who are sitting on Santa's lap. And then Milhouse dares Bart to go pull off Santa's beard. Which, of course, the troublemaker Bart is going to do. So we see him go down. He's sitting on Santa's lap. He doesn't realize it's his father. He's kind of making fun of him. And then he eventually pulls the beard off of him. Homer then has to explain to him, Hey, I didn't get my Christmas bonus this year. And I'll do anything, anything to make Christmas special for the family. And what I find interesting here is how wholesome... Homer is in this episode. As the show went on and that character evolved, Homer gets a lot wackier. A lot wackier. A lot of like kind of just pure craziness happens around Homer. I like this version of Homer a little bit better where uh, he, he clearly loves his family, which he does in the later seasons. He does. But I think he, he sort of has like his own sacrifice type moment in this episode to do something for his family because he doesn't want to ruin the holidays. So after this, Homer and Bart go to get Homer's check. He's excited. He's like, look, I'll have the money to finally get you guys your gifts. And all he receives was $13 because of extra fees. He, <laughs> Because of all the extra fees that go into uh, renting a suit, going to Santa school, and all this stuff. So he now doesn't have the money to truly treat his family like the way he thought he was going to be able to. And then he overhears Barney talking about going uh, to the dog trek. And Barney convinces him he has an inside connection. And Homer, uh, he doesn't want to go, but Bart's like, hey... This is the miracle the Simpson family needs. Come on, Dad. This can be the miracle that saves the Simpsons' Christmas. If TV has taught me anything, it's that miracles always happen to poor kids at Christmas. It happened to Tiny Tim. It happened to Charlie Brown. It happened to the Smurfs. And it's going to happen to us. Well, okay, let's go. Who's Tiny Tim? Back from the break, we have the family at home watching a Christmas special that I think is supposed to harken back to a Rankin-Bass-type special. But Bart, Homer, and Barney, they're now at the dog track. And Barney points out that the dog named Whirlwind is a lock to win the race. But when it's announced over the loudspeaker that a certain dog has been scratched from the race and replaced by one named Santa's Little Helper... Homer says it's a sign, and he decided to place a bet on him since he is now a 99-1 to to win the race. Bart thinks it's crazy, but he tells his dad to go ahead with the bet. Uh, While we go back to the Simpson house, they're wondering where Homer is. Patty and Selma are crapping on him uh, per usual. 
But then when we go back to the racetrack, we see Homer and Bart, they're cheering on, or they're trying to figure out where Santa's little helper is, and we find out he's very far behind in this race, dead set in last place. Whirlwind, he ends up winning. That means Barney wins, and it leaves Bart and Homer to look for some winning tickets that may have been left in the parking lot. And just as they're about to sulk away to go to their car, knowing that Christmas is ruined and they don't have gifts for anybody, we hear the owner yelling at Santa's little helper. He kicks him out into the cold, and the dog runs straight into the arms of Homer. And then Bart asks, hey, can we keep the dog? And Homer says, but he's a loser. He's pathetic. And then the dog licks Homer's face, and Homer says, he's a Simpson. Homer then walks in the door, and he says he has a confession to make, then he never got his Christmas bonus, and he didn't want to ruin Christmas. But just as he's starting to explain a little more, Bart runs in and he says, look everybody, we got a dog! And everybody's excited with the gift, and uh, what he's going to bring to the family. Marge is excited, Lisa's so happy. And that wraps up Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire from the first ever episode of The Simpsons. And as always, we like to determine if an episode should be deemed a holiday classic. And with this, I'm giving it a... You got it, dude! If you have had any negative connotation surrounding the Simpsons or believe it cannot be a family-friendly show. You know, somebody like me who grew up being told it wasn't a family-friendly show even though I watched it all the time. I highly recommend watching this one. It's not the same type of humor that you see later on as the show evolved, but I do think this episode has a ton, a ton of heart, and I love that. And some of the better Simpsons episodes, the further they went on, uh, some of the better ones did have a lot of heart. The one where Homer uh, reunites with his mother again. I mean, that's a sad episode, but they did it so very well, and it had a lot of heart. But I think this episode taps into what holidays can be for some people, that some people don't have the money, they have to fight and crawl and, and scrap and do anything they can to get the money to somehow make the holiday special for their family. And and Homer did the best with what he had. And even though he was he was he thought he was going to disappoint his family, they were very excited about getting this dog. And the dog, I mean, he plays a major role throughout the rest of this series. So I I think it's just such a sweet episode that's slightly different than your normal Simpsons fare. And that doesn't mean it's any better or any worse, but I do think it's a very good episode. And the atmosphere is great. You have uh, Christmas elements everywhere and the decorations and snow and all this stuff. It's just great. And and like I said, I, I enjoy the overall message of this episode that you can make the most of what you got around you. So do yourself a favor, give this one a watch because it is, it's just that good in my opinion. So that's it for our first Christmas in July episode of the year. And that means we have two more coming up to round out this month. We'll follow this up with a Christmas episode from the Flintstones, which I am so excited for because the any Flintstone Christmas items or items, episodes, specials, movies, whatever, are some of my favorite. And the other one we're doing is the Jetsons, which is one I 
do not remember the Christmas episode at all, so I'm super excited to do that as well. And uh, I can't wait to talk about them and hopefully for you guys to listen to them. But before those episodes go live, please be sure to check us out on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. You can search uh, TGI Podcast. We'll get a little more active here as we creep further and further towards the fall and towards the Burr months. Uh, August you know, you start getting a little itch, itchy for uh, some cooler weather, September and all that stuff. So uh, hopefully we'll be a little more active on Facebook and Instagram during that time as well. I'd also really appreciate it if you left us a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would help in a very, very big way. So thanks again uh, for listening to this episode. I'll talk to you all very soon. The TGI Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by me, Matt Yurick. Our social media is available by searching for TGI Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And the music for this outro was provided by Carlo Espin, licensed under CC BY 4.0.